welcome to the 251st episode of the No Nonsense Trivia Podcast, the weekly quiz cast where two professional quiz masters talk about how to write and host great pub trivia, <laughs> as well as quizzing each other and our guests on our, you don't know this weekly, one, no. favorite questions, favorite of, questions the week. of the week, yes. <laughs> I'm Quizmaster Lee. I'm joined here by Quizmaster Mark Davis. Hi, it's me. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I uh, I I'm you know deep into my new job at Fathoms, being the Quizmaster over there on Thursdays, and it's a little different. It's a little different environment over there. You know, being outside and stuff. You get a lot of people like just kind of walking through the area. What's going on over here and stuff like that, and. Couple times uh, within the first twenty minutes hosting this week's trivia, I had somebody come up and say, "Hey, I'm not playing. I know you get this a lot too, oh. nice guys. I'm not playing. Is this the answer to that question?" And I say, "I can't give out the answers until I have all the answer sheets back." And they say, "No, no, no. I'm not playing though. I'm not playing." I'm like, "I understand you're not playing, but if you give me some pay- some time, I will read the answers to all of these questions in like ten minutes." I'll, you'll know if you're you won't even know if you're close or not. You'll know if you are exactly right in what you're thinking. So just give me some time. So I sent the first guy off, and then a few questions later, another guy's walking by. He comes up and says, "Hey, I'm not playing, but is the answer to that last question Ariana Grande?" And I was like, "I'm sorry, I can't give out any answers to anybody until I have all the answer sheets back. That's just our policy." And he's like, "No, but you can tell me, right?" And I was like, no, I can't. I can't give out any answers. It's like, I hope you understand, but I just literally can't give any answers out. And he's like, you said thank you next. That's Ariana Grande. And I was like, look, you sound pretty confident, but stick around. You know, in a few minutes, I will read all the answers and let you know then. But I can't give out any answers whatsoever. And uh, he walked off and I kind of watched him walk out of the courtyard where I was hosting trivia. And I said in the microphone, hey, everybody, just, you know, blanket message here since... We're only 20 minutes in, and I've had a couple people come up and ask for some answers. Don't do that. Don't embarrass you. Don't embarrass me. Just like if you want to play, you can take an answer sheet. You can play along. You don't even have to turn it in. You can just play for fun. You know, keep track of your own answers. But if you do want to turn in your answer sheet, you will get a prize. Kind of like, you know, segued it into like a promo right. there. But uh, it was just funny that like I... I thought you were going to say he popped back up around the corner like, <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> I've rarely I've rarely had... Um, you know, people do that, but being out in this open courtyard with people like oh. walking around and stuff that might not even be like, you know, dining at Fathoms, they're there shopping, you know, in, in some other store or something like that. It was uh, kind of a different experience. And I like that. This is, it's kind of like reinvigorating me away because I got to deal with like all these like new, like little setbacks. Like, okay, now it's like windy as hell when I'm hosting trivia. I've never dealt with that before. Because um, we're right there in Cape Harbor, so the wind is is gusting through. But, you know, I got some little bins for my answer sheet. I got some paperweights to put on top of them and stuff. So we're working it out. There it's, you it's go. It's good stuff. So no-nonsense branded painted rocks. <laughs> That's a good idea. Answer sheets. Hey, you know. I should get maybe like a little banner for the front of the tablecloth, I think, at this point. You know? There you go. I saw that at, uh, you know, looking at some comic convention photos. Oh, for the artists, why not for no nonsense? You can as have well? the old. Um, that way, when people are walking by through the courtyard and they look over and go, "What's going on?" It says it like there's a, you know a big sign or something. You can have the old punk rock karaoke banner that we bought that we will never use again. You can repurpose it. I'm sure. Just spray paint. Yeah, no nonsense. Yeah, you do something like that. Well, that's just one portion of how trivia went for me this week. Why don't we go over a weekly wrap up? Sure. We had two quizzes at Ollie's Pub recently, starting with quiz number 534. 
and another win logged by Just the Tips, earning 119 points. They also moved up the leaderboard through four rounds of our Marvel quiz at Ollie's, ending with an astonishing 146 points. Team The in second place with 140 points, and Wolfpack in third with 104 points. Wolfpack played there? Wolfpack, not oh, to be confused okay. with Wolfpack. Thanks to Cool Comics and Games in Cape Coral for providing a bunch of great themed prizes for our Marvel quiz. Check out a link to their store in the show notes of this episode. And at Pointy Bell Brewing Company recently, You Smell Different When You're Awake was working on their third consecutive win at quiz number 535. A turkey, if you will. But they were upset by Chicken Tendy Pubby Subby, who won by a narrow two-point victory on that quiz. The following week, You Smell Different was back on top, winning quiz number 537 with 112 points. And our two quizzes at Fathom's Restaurant and Bar saw winners in Trainwreck with 127 points, which was our highest score on our regular quiz this period for quiz number 534, so congratulations to them on that. And Hook, Line, and Drinkers winning quiz number 538 the following week with 101 points. And I just want to mention that many times over this past period, the final wager of 21 points was a determining factor for the winner, either causing a team to shoot up the leaderboard and take first place or not wagering enough and, uh, you know, teams pushing themselves back down to second place. So I just want to put it out there. Wager carefully, folks. You know, those wagers, they do matter. Consider your score. Consider your confidence level. Don't go overboard and get that dub. Mark, how did trivia go at your uh, place, Nice Guys Pizza? My place. Yes, your nice place. That's pizza. your place. <laughs> it's my place. Give me. Uh, it went well. Um, Smarty McFly winning the first round with 20 points. That was Jamie Carmichael's team out there playing. Um, second round went to Girls on Top with 49 points. They were overjoyed. Um, and looking like they were poised to win it all uh, with such a high score. However, was Ronald Reagan's grave as a gender-neutral bathroom when in the evening with 71 points, only wagering one in the last question, and so just slipping down one, not getting it uh, correct. Um, a couple of other teams getting it right but not wagering much. That would have uh, made the difference. Um, it was a thrilling night, a thrilling night. Nice. Well, if you missed it and you'd like to join us, for trivia soon, you have a few opportunities to do so. We're at Ollie's Pub in Cape Coral on our new night of Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m. We can hope we hope that you can join us then for opportunities to win Some Ollie's gift cards. Free cards. Which you could use at the bar or on one of their signature said unassuredly. Try the many Ollie-licious offerings from the menu at Ollie's Pub every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m when we have our weekly quiz. Wednesdays, we're live at Pointy Bell Brewing Company in Fort Myers, Florida. For a no-nonsense trivia challenge based on your category requests, please join us for your opportunity to win some free beer and to suggest categories for next week's quiz and to enjoy God-tier smash burgers from our weekly food vendor. Seems appropriate with one of them being Fat Thor's, you know? Let me just... God-tier. I just want to throw this out yeah. there. Don't you feel better when you say God tier as opposed to tasty, tasty? I'm fine with tasty, tasty, but I do. I'm not asking what you're fine with, but yeah, God tier sounds like you're really selling it, doesn't it? (laughs) Tasty, tasty. Tasty, tasty sounds like if you're in the area, maybe stop by if you're really hungry. But God tier, 
Yeah, that's elevated you remember, a little bit. You know bit. the part in Robin Williams' movie Dead Poet Society where he's like, "Don't tell a woman she's pretty. Tell her she's phantasmagorical. Don't say something is yummy. Say something is splendiferous." Like he's like, you know, mm-hmm. talking about poetry and shit. Yeah, carpe diem. Yeah, he, this he would talk about this. He's like, "Don't say food's tasty, tasty. Say it's god tier." Hey, I'm taking that advice, and it is god tiered. So they're great smash burgers. Uh, That's what between I'm talking Fat about. Thor and Only Doubles, they uh, they alternate over there. Come play our weekly quiz at Pointy Bell Brewing Company starting at 7:30 p.m. every Wednesday and Thursdays. We're back over in Cape Coral at Fathom's Restaurant and Bar, located in Cape Harbor. We'll be offering <laughs> Fathom's gift cards. What's up? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> we'll be offering Fathom's gift cards for first, second, and third place at our new weekly quiz event. Uh, I think we'll be offering those eventually. Lately, actually, they've been doing, I think, $25 off the bill, a free pizza for second, and a drink for third. But they're they're working on a new pay system over there. So okay. maybe uh, maybe gift card soon, or maybe that'll be the, uh, the breakdown. But we'll update you on that. Come enjoy some perfect pub provisions alongside our quiz based on your category requests at Fathoms and Cape Coral on Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. And of course, every week in Cape Coral, you can play Mark's Trivia on Wednesdays at his place of Nice Guys Pizza or on Zoom at your place starting at 8 p.m. For a link to the Zoom meeting, check the show notes or visit http colon slash slash bit.ly that's b-i-t dot l-y slash nice guys pizza trivia do not message us and ask for the link just go to the link in the show notes or rewind your podcast app 15 seconds right now and take that url down again (laughs) i've given it to you there's no reason to message us for that link. And please don't forget to follow No Nonsense Trivia on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit, and join us on our Discord server. Please join us there to stay updated on all of our podcasts, streams, and events. Join us, won't you? All right, let's take a little break, Mm -hmm. and then we'll come back with our first round of trivia. Okay. back mark yeah why don't you kick off our first round throw a trivia question at me okay under the 1966 vandalism act this is when the act was signed not when this happened but under the 1966 vandalism act 18 year old michael fay was caned due to car vandalization in what country singapore that's correct Yes. Wow. We, you asked me this last week. Oh, man. So <laughs> we talked I, about Weird Al okay. headline news. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I was in the area that I, I did knew not get it last like time, though. Story. So I wanted, to, I wanted to lock it in this time. I appreciate you know, that. I just I want the experience of getting that right. Okay. Here is your first question then. Which instrument was American band leader Glenn Miller famous for playing? Glenn Miller was uh, famous for playing the trumpet, I believe. That's my answer. That's incorrect. Oh, really? Yes. Clarinet? No. Shit. I don't know. Try one more. 
Do you say trombone? It is trombone. Okay, it sounded All like right. you let it go a little bit there. You're like, yeah, it's right. Yeah, you try <laughs> again. <laughs> he was a trombone player, Glenn Miller? Yes. Oh. Didn't he do In the Mood? Uh, yeah. Well, he wrote it. Oh, I mean, he didn't play okay. that. Gotcha. Because that's like a trumpet, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. in that song, right? Yep. Okay. That's, that's why I went there. Okay. I'm, I mean, that's a... Good reason, but you know, but he's his gotta, main his main kid, whip was the the trombone. Yes, you know was, a little something that about that. Jam. I do. I've I've been known to play. Uh, look, I, I'll be honest with you. I've been known to play trombone. I saw you play trombone recently at that reunion show with Table Nine. Yeah, it was awesome. It was uh, it was a blast. I had uh, I had a lot of fun. It was fun getting to do it again. I would like to play trombone for something that isn't Table Nine in the future. Some other kind of trombone music. I mean, maybe even some of these guys, I don't know. Hey, if you need a tromboner, trombonist. Call in Shaboy. I'm not very good, but I'm okay. I'll get the job done. <laughs> that's, I, that's Mark Davis, and I approve this message. <laughs> How about a movies question to kick off uh, my set here? Sure. Okay. Pennsylvania 65,000. That's the other big Glenn Miller's, Miller, Miller song. Ah, all right. Here's your movies question. Man eaten by alligators. Is the action given by a director to an actor, as well as the description on the canister of a reel of audio tape discovered just this year, 2023, that contains which famous movie sound effect that has appeared in hundreds of films, starting with 1951's Distant Drums and including Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars and Toy Story, among others. This is, so this is interesting. I know we've talked about this before, but 251 episodes, what do you want from us? This is one of the perfect questions for, like, a relatively beginner trivia question. Kicking off a new venue, first quiz, you know, you want to hit the classic trivia questions, I think. Very, very curious to know how many people got this right. I know you'll tell me here in a minute. But, I mean, this is, you know that if you were to just go into your job... And ask this question. Just a bunch of ho-hum, ordinary, fucking 20-somethings to 50-somethings. And ask this question. The 18 to 49 demographic. 20% of people know it. Maybe. Yeah. At least Very, one very low it. incidence. Mm-hmm. Very low incidence. But it's a famous bit of trivia. Absolutely. When you, If you walk into a fucking trivia hall and you ask this question, 89% of people. Wilhelm Scream. That's right. And I ask this to you because, uh, yeah, this news just came out recently that they found the original uh, real uh, audio reel tape that has it and the other takes. Oh, um, really? On it. Yes. I'm not sure if you saw that. So that's actually why I'm asking you this here. I have not yet had an opportunity to ask it live. So I'm not sure how many of my players would have gotten this right. Maybe I'll drop this one out there. Uh, soon, but you haven't heard the uh, the other takes. No, can I can I play them for you here? Sure. Okay, this is uh, forty seconds is what the total amount of time was on the take, including the effect in question and Man the director. Here we go. Man getting bit by an alligator and he screams. Okay, quiet. Hey, quiet. Do that for me. Okay, right. Ah! The first one you did up here was much better. Oh! No, 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 not an owl. A real scream. Pain. Oh! 
Nailed it. Ah! Bye, man. Not a re- not an owl, but a real scream. Motherfucker! Yeah, come he was on. Like, oh, <laughs> ow! And they're like, no, no, no. That's not the noise you make when you're a man eating being eaten by alligators. You don't go, ow! You go, oh! oh. <laughs> yeah. All of them had a very wispy ending, which is weird to me. I picture it being a much like stronger through and through. Can I hear your Wilhelm scream? Oh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it started a little higher than I meant to there. Oh, it's got kind of like a, a rise to it, you know? Yeah. How about it does yours? That. Ah! That's good. Something like that. Yeah. Right on. Well, Man. good job with that one. Thanks. You did know that classic bit of trivia. I did. I did. Now here's uh, what might be considered by a lot of people to be something maybe relatively easy as far as a sports question is concerned. Mm. Maybe not super hard. How many teams are there in Major League Baseball? Hmm. This seems like one of those uh, beginner sports yeah. questions everyone should know. How many teams are there in each sport at least? Yeah, um, I'm sure that the leagues, the American League and the National League that make up the MLB probably have the same number of teams in them uh, to make it equal when they face off against each other. So the question is, you know, figuring out how many teams are in each of those leagues and then doubling it. I'm thinking it's somewhere between 12 and 16 teams per league. So that would be 24 to 36. 30 seems too even. Uh, 32, that would be 16 each. Does that seem high? I'll go with, uh, I'm going on the low side here. I'm going with 28. Sorry, that's incorrect. I, I what a great Sussley. Thank and you. you went and you went right over it. Yeah. Thirty. It's the number that seemed too even. Thirty is oh, correct. Oh man. Thirty. <laughs> right on. Fifteen and fifteen. Yep. Okay. My second question for you is about information technology, IT. Okay. Popularized by the nineteen eighty-three techno thriller movie War Games. What term in information technology, the field, is used to describe a system that monitors incoming and outgoing network traffic. Would you like to play a game? Do you remember? That is the, the movie. Yeah. A line from the movie in question. Yes. Said by a computer. Said by AI. Mm-hmm. Post-HAL. Yeah. Post-HAL. But pre-Watson. Mm. Pre-Deep Blue. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, um, from my semi-limited knowledge, maybe I know more than the average bear, but, uh, not more than the average, like, you know, bottom tier IT person, bottom um, tier, knowing what it is, I would entry. say, <laughs> yeah, entry, entry level, level. <laughs> bottom, tier. bottom tier, you know what I mean? Down there. The betazoids. <laughs> yeah, well, who's to say who's bottom tier when it comes to IT? I love all yeah. of you. They're keeping it all working. <laughs> They're keeping it all together, including by putting up firewalls. I'm going to say firewall. That's right. Yes. Yes, that term appearing in that movie before it's uh, widespread use in uh, computer field. That's neat. So a little bit of uh, life imitating art there. Yeah, I like that. They carpe diem'd it. They did indeed. Lee, here's your last question from me for this the first round of trivia. Which country's old name is Kemet, meaning black land, a reference to the fertile soil 
of its vast floodplains. That is K-E-M-E-T. I don't know if it's Kemet or Kemet. Hmm. Which country's old name is Kemet, meaning black land, a reference to the fertile soil of its vast floodplains. Vast floodplains. Fuck yeah. Well, Kemet, I think it's in Africa. Um, it sounds like an African name. There is a, uh, a band like a, uh, uh, acid jazz band called sons of Kemet that I think is mostly, if not all African American, or at least they have some African American members and they've got song titles related to black history. So the question is which country in Africa is known for its floodplains and my gut is saying Kenya you asked for the country right I did I'm going over the lyrics to Toto's Africa in my head to see if it is mentioned because they bless the rains down in Africa in that song they have been known to yes Mm -hmm. Really, it's just for you. <laughs> uh, I'll go with Kenya. Sorry, that's incorrect. Okay. The correct answer is Egypt. Oh. Egypt. Okay. Okay. The very tippy top up there of Africa. Right. Okay. That's uh, that's interesting. Kemet. I did not know that that was. Is that like. When was it known as that? Do you know? Let me look it up because I don't want to give any false information <laughs> at all ever. I'm curious and about I'm being, that. Though. I'm actually, if I would like for you to let me know that you find it very attractive that I am being responsible. You're very handsome for this. Thank you. Um, let's see here. I mean, it does redirect you when you look up Kemet to the uh, to the Wikipedia page for Egypt. Um, let's see here. God, this is a it's got to be like biblical, right? The English name Egypt has arrived from the ancient Greek Egyptos, um, which is from Latin. Da, 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 da. It was borrowed into Coptic as Egyptios, and from there into Eric. Jesus Christ Almighty! I don't know. Um, meaning home of the Ka. That's Egypt, or That's home what of that the means? soul, or Kemet. Uh, Egypt, I think. Um, the ancient Egyptian name of the country was Kemet, which means black land, like referring to the fertile black soils of the Nile floodplains, distinct from the red land or the desert. When? Okay. I mean, ancient Egyptian. So, yeah, I did not realize that Egypt was the, uh, the Latin name. That's interesting. I've got a question from the opera for you. For my third and final question of this round for 251st episode of the No Nonsense Trivia Podcast. Canio, C-A-N-I-O, is the name of the lead character in what classic opera about a clown who murders his wife and her lover while performing on stage? Well, I don't know. I don't know what any operas are about. I know that there are some. There's Pinkerton, or no, 
Pinkerton is from a, is from Madame Butterfly, which Madame Butterfly I was thinking might be you know a clown. I mean, when you say clown, there could be something like it in another, you know, another country that they don't call it a clown, but it's all for all intents and purposes the same as a clown. So Madame Butterfly might be something Kabuki esque, like if Kabuki actors, I'm probably sound like an idiot, but if they are considered like clowns. Could be Madame Butterfly. It could be Pagliacci, um, which we actually just talked about in a recent episode of Lyrics to Go, um, or The Wanderer, which is a pretty interesting episode, if I do say so myself, um, by Dion. Not the Belmonts, just Dion, please. Um, Celine Dion. No. <laughs> Dion and the Belmonts, Dion. Um... Pagliacci is famously, you know, you've seen, you've, you've read and seen, uh, the Watchmen. Yes. The, uh, classic Alan Moore graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Watchmen. In which he tells this tale of guy goes to the therapist says, I can't sleep. I'm having a rotten time. And the therapist says, well, look, just go to see Pagliacci. He's the clown. He's things around here and everybody sees him and cheers him up. And he says, but doctor, I am Pagliacci. Seth had never heard that story before. So I had the uh, wow. opportunity to lay it on him for the first time, which surprised me with Seth being like so well-read and knowledgeable about stuff. I was like, you never heard of Pagliacci? Any event, I could guess Pagliacci because it's obviously something to do with a clown. I don't really know what else happens in the story. I'm going to say Paglia- I Pagliacci. That's correct. Yes. yes. Yes, you did talk about this on uh, Lyrics to Go and uh, got me curious about the origin of that story. Now, the version that you just told is from Watchmen. The character of Rorschach tells this story where he says, heard joke once, man goes to doctor, and then relates the story that you just told. But that is not, it doesn't appear to be the actual origin of uh, of this story. As I mentioned, Pagliacci was the uh, clown character and title character of that play where Canio is the actor that plays, uh, that plays Pagliacci. And um, according to Know Your Meme, this story that you told seems to be adapted from the real life of a comedian named Joseph Grimaldi who is thought to be the originator of the sad clown character. Oh, wow. Grimaldi, known for his punning catchphrase, you're going to love this, I am grim all day, but I make you laugh all night. Uh, <laughs> laugh at night. <laughs> uh, in the 1820s, a book about him was published titled The Memoirs of Joseph Grimaldi, which was edited by Charles Dickens, actually. Wow. It's kind of like a rush job for him. Somebody just thought, Dickens, you'll be good to edit this, and he cleaned it up. Uh, the book was released. In that book, it's revealed that Grimaldi visits his surgeon friend, John Abernathy, who doesn't know his identity of the clown and asks for a cure for his depression. Abernathy responds by prescribing diversions of, quote, relaxation and amusement. But where shall I find what you require, said the patient? In genial companionship, was the reply. Perhaps sometimes at the theater. Go and see Grimaldi. 
Alas, replied the patient, that is of no avail to me. I am Grimaldi. Oh. So I'm not sure if like his friend didn't know his last name or if the clown's name was different or what's going on there. But that is apparently the source of this uh, story. Alan Moore conflating the uh, the character Pagliacci with uh, the story from Grimaldi. Maybe it was told to him as with Pagliacci or maybe he just like said, let's take this classic clown character that's maybe a little bit better known in popular culture and we'll use him for the story instead. Huh. Or maybe he was afraid that the Grimaldi estate would be grim all day and come after him legally <laughs> for uh, stealing his And then his, they laugh all the way to the bang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Pagliacci, the answer to, uh, to that question. Beautiful. Yep. All right. Well, that's our first round of trivia. Let's take a little break and then we'll come back with some missed corrections. back and it's time for some missed corrections i was going over doug's nemesis on the show doug i couldn't remember his name remember roger that's right rogers i actually did look it up but i think that our conversation went on for so long i forgot to mention it oh right on and uh, as mentioned earlier the uh, singapore cane answer to your question of uh of or th- this yeah it's it's the country of singapore that's actually mentioned in the lyrics the headline news which i talked about so had i gone through the lyrics of that that would have provided the answer um i thought that that might be the case here with toto's africa in this episode but no that kemet in egypt is not addressed in in that song either and we uh what else do we go over oh in reference to pachinko i said uh once the players have won their token they quote leave the casino but as i mentioned gambling is illegal in japan so there are no Mm. casinos in japan there is a gambling resort that's in development that is uh, set to open i believe in 2029 but uh, pachinko machines can be found in venues that are more accurately described as pachinko parlors rather than casinos so i just wanted to clarify that and we heard from azarath who wrote azarath here I am rereading Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain and forgot while listening to episode number 243 that his life's passion came as he tried Vichy Soie, also known as Creme Parmentier, <laughs> on a cruise as a fourth grader. Love the pod and love coming out to live trivia when my wife and I can. Thank you, Azarath, for writing in that no note. And uh, also thanks to the clarification here. On this next bit that I have been misreading (laughs) the entire time since we started this bit, I've been saying on the No Nonsense Trivia Podcast, two rights make a wrong. This is what I was going to look up. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so this was, uh, we have a new Missed Corrections channel in our Discord, just in case... You uh, you hear something off and you want to uh, to let us know. The easiest way for us to uh, go through them would be using this new channel. It was uh, Pats for Patrick writing in. I've been holding this one in for a while, but I finally reopened Discord, and now seems like the time for a miscorrection. Uh, get ready. This one is super pendantic. I don't know. I, I think this is pretty spot on, actually. Uh, I'm pretty sure Lee has been mis 
quoting Mark regarding writing in to right a wrong. Lee generally quotes Mark as saying something along the lines of two rights make a wrong, you being right and you writing in. I seem to remember that Mark's actual quote was two rights write a wrong, you being right and you writing in. Oh, yeah. I don't remember the exact episode number when Mark first spoke such poetry, but I'm pretty sure he's been misquoted ever since. Two rights making a wrong doesn't really make sense. A listener would be writing in to write a wrong, not make. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's right. Yes, that is right. That is right. And Mark, I am sorry for misquoting you. I must have just been thinking of the inverse of two wrongs don't make a right, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, guilty of my own conflation. Thank you very much. I, like I said, I kept saying I can't remember what it is I said. And then yes. I just kind of like went with you without ever really thinking about whether or not it made sense. So in the true words of Quizmaster Mark on the No Nonsense Trivia Podcast, two rights right a wrong. You being right and you writing in. If you'd like to write us with a missed correction, a rate to my question, or even just a little no note, you can write to us at nononsensetrivia at gmail.com or call us at one nine two nine. 356-69-66, or find us on social media. And if you have yet to do so, please take a moment to review our show on Apple, Podchaser, Good Pods, Spotify, or wherever else you might be able to find our show for rating and review. Mark, would you believe it that we actually got another review that said, I thought this was no nonsense and there's tons of nonsense on it. I would and believe as, it only because you sent it to me. Yes. As we've explained, uh, it's not... N-O nonsense. It's that you know nonsense. Like, you know trivia. It's a pun. So there's plenty of nonsense here. We've gone over this recently. We're not cutting out any of the nonsense. We will only be increasing the nonsense from here going forward due to popular requests. Some of you reviewers giving us two or three stars because you don't like the nonsense. Guess what? A lot of people love the nonsense. To semi-quote EA Sports, it's in the name. It's in the name. You know, yeah. K-N-O-W. It's right there, you ding-dong. Let's start using that. Okay. No Nonsense Trivia Podcast. It's, it's in, in the, the name. game. I said game. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm eating this cookie because it's so good. Enjoy. Mm. Yeah. Kyle made some uh, chocolate chips for you, huh? God damn it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to kick off round two here with a question about metal music. Heavy metal, if you will. I like metal music. The metal hand sign commonly referred to as devil horns, is widely believed to have first been popularized by which metal vocalist? The one that sang for Rainbow and the one that sang Taking the Place of Ozzy Osbourne in Black Sabbath? That singer? The answer is Ronnie James Dio. Yes, it is. That's correct. Yeah, uh, there is some dispute over, you know, some other uh, claimants to that. But like I said, it's uh, the popular theory is that Dio, Ronnie James Dio, was the uh, the originator of that. Big R.I.P. Short King. Yeah, I wonder if Big they... Big Rip Short King. I wonder if they included the, uh, the the Devil Horns in the hologram performance that they... They, they had to Do you to remember have. that? They had to. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. It's laughable. But you, when you've got Dio, you've got to do the Devil Horns. If you're doing a hologram, there's so much opportunity to do something cool with that hand signal. Like, have like the hands be like giant... You know, 20 feet tall hands, mm-hmm. like spitting fire, turn into a dragon or something. Yeah, it'd be very sick. If you're going like to go hologram, go all the way. That's what I'm saying. Pull a Liu Kang, turn into a mm-hmm. damn dragon. Yeah. Um, Here's your next question from me. 
Which type of clay takes its name from the Italian words for baked earth? Type of clay. Shh. Lee's very smart wife knows this. Baked earth. But she's not here to help him now. <laughs> baked earth. Well, I think earth... And I think of names and, you know, we've talked about the Latin names for things as it relates to Egypt. And I think of the uh, prefix terra. And while uh, uh, cotta makes me think of ricotta cheese, here I think terracotta might be the answer. So uh, I'm going to go with that. Terracotta. That is correct. Yeah. My first right answer this episode. <laughs> Finally. Oh, my gosh. Good one. Thank you. And uh, thanks for the encouragement there, Kyle. I appreciate that. I know that's why you said that. You were, you were sending me the, uh, the answer telepathically. I really appreciate that. Here's a soccer question for you, Mark. When past a ball, how many opponents must be between the receiving player and the goal line? To avoid an offsides penalty. God damn. In soccer, when past a ball, how many opponents must be between the receiving player and the goal line to avoid an offsides penalty? I think it's just one. How many players? Is this some tricky shit? In soccer, when past a ball, how many opponents must be between the receiving player and the goal line to avoid an offsides penalty? I'm basically guessing. I mean, must be between the ball and the goal line. The receiving player and the goal line. Hmm. Two. Yeah, that's right. Holy shit. <laughs> so what was your methodology there? Well, I was wondering if the goalkeeper would count as one of them. Indeed, the goalkeeper okay. does. So yeah, that's, that's exactly where the trick, quote-unquote trick, lies. And there was uh, a lot of uh, consternation about this answer when I read it. I did have 30% of my teams get it right. So I do think it's a fair question. But if you forget about the goalie... Um, as written in the rules, yes, it's two players. It's uh, one player that is not the goalie, another like defender. Back. Yep, and then uh, and then the uh, the goalie themselves usually not beyond the goal line, right. In the back, standing in front. So in the rule book, that is how it's described. Two players. That was, my, that was the trickiest part there. Mm -hmm. How many people got the uh, quest? The first question I answered right. Dio, the Wilhelm scream. That one, uh, as I said, I did not ask that uh, oh, duh, live. Yeah, okay. It was just some recent news that I saw, and I thought I'd be throwing in some more of those types of questions yeah. here on the podcast, too. I, uh, I like Getting it. them in the mix. Well, I'm glad that uh, my... A podcast original, if you will. There you go. I'm glad that my thinking about the goaltender uh, paid off, because uh, that could have gone... Uh, yeah, that was very smart. Could have gone less than good. All right, here's your next question from me. Which actor and stand-up comedian was prominently featured in the 2009 documentary Good Hair? Which actor and stand-up comedian was prominently featured in the 2009 documentary Good Hair? 
Yeah, I think this was a movie about black hairstyles. And if I remember correctly, they were not only featured, but also produced the movie. Um, Chris Rock is my answer. Chris Rock is correct. Okay. Great job. Thank you. Yeah, I uh, I remember that one. Um, that was, you said it was 2009? Yes. Gosh. I know, right? 14 years ago? Wild. No. Yep. Seems like just yesterday. I know, man. Wow. I got That's a fashion hair will do to you. <laughs> I've got a fashion question for you here. Uh, for this was a five pointer actually. Inspired by sports and menswear, what type of heavily textured Scottish fabric was used by designer Coco Chanel in the 1920s for her company's Chanel suit? Inspired by sports and menswear. What type of heavily textured Scottish fabric was used by designer Coco Chanel in the 1920s for her company's Chanel suit? Kind of turning the fashion industry on its head because this was uh, a use of a fabric, not for its intended use, but just for fashion. Why would anybody use a heavily textured Scottish fabric that's used uh, mostly in sports and menswear for uh, a woman's suit? But this is the uh, fabric that was used. What is that Scottish fabric? I don't know. Um, Scottish fabric. This is just a little preview of our uh, rate my question coming by the way of Scotland in a little oh. bit, actually. Yeah. Something to wet I, the palate. Well, I mean, <clears throat> kilt isn't a kind of fabric. It, it could it be flannel. Is flannel Scottish? It could be. Flannel's thick. And it's got stripes. I'm going to say flannel. No, I'm sorry. It was not a flannel suit. It was a tweed suit. Tweed, tweed is the fabric I'm looking for. That one, uh, like That's I said, that was a five-pointer, part of my most difficult set of questions at Live Trivia, and I had a 25% success rate. On I almost one, said so. burlap. <laughs> yeah, well, so. that's a little closer, I, I guess, say, close, Closer to the texture. Yeah. Um, here is your last question from me for this round. What was the name of Kermit's nephew who has appeared in most Muppet productions since The Muppet Show? Mm. Hi ho! He was Tiny Tim in a Muppet Christmas Carol. Hi ho! Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got the name of a bird. It's Robin. Robin is correct. Yes, <laughs> sweeping the second round. <laughs> yeah, nice. Good job. Ooh, I was afraid I was not going to be able to pull that one. You did. Brave, brave Sir Robin. All right. Let's take a little break, and uh, we're going to come back with a rate to my question and our final questions of this 251st episode of The No-No. All right, we're back, and it's time for a rate. My question. This is from Daisy. 
this question. From Daisy in Scotland? Yep. Daisy writes, Hi, guys. I've been listening since the lockdown from Scotland. Often I do so whilst studying. The podcast has seen me through my final high school and now into university exams. I'm going to be a speech and language therapist. That's awesome, Daisy. Daisy continues, I tend to retain niche facts and useless information. Sometimes I attempt to make trivia questions. I'd appreciate a rating and any tips that you have. Here's the question. This peculiar reflex gets its portmanteau name by combining alliterative terms describing an involuntary body reaction and its occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating. What is its name? Or what two words make up its name? I'll read it one more time. Please. This peculiar reflex gets its portmanteau name by combining alliterative terms describing an involuntary bodily reaction, body reaction, and its occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating. What is its name? Or what two words make up its name? Hmm. What are you thinking? Well, my gut tells me that it's verp, but that's not uh, two alliterative names, like vomit and burp. They no. would both need to start with either V or B. So yeah. that rules that out. But and, I'm and trying to think of the fullness from eating, you know, um, uh, an involuntary body reaction and its occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating. So when you're full, when you're stuffed, your body has this reaction. Eve? That's... Like dry heave? I mean... I hope you're not eating that much, you know, that you're dry heaving when you reach fullness. Um, I mean, that, that that would be like, I don't know. That's <laughs> that sound was funny. <laughs> the chair <laughs> went. <laughs> so like a fucking Mario character getting jumped on. Sigh. Is that a portmanteau? No, but I'm thinking like when you get full, given like a mm-hmm. that being one and a half of the words. Peculiar. Involuntary, peculiar reflex. It's a reflex. So heave is a reflex. Hold on, maybe I'm misunderstanding. I thought the two words were one was an involuntary reflex, and the other one was a reaction to overeating. Am I wrong? Can I hear that again? This peculiar reflex gets its portmanteau name by combining alliterative terms describing an involuntary body reaction and its occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating. What is the name? So the way it's written, it does sound like it's like one is an it's involuntary a yeah. body reaction, and the other is its occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating. This is kind of word. It's like worded cleverly, but maybe a little too cleverly. It's got a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Exactly. As, yeah. as we might say. And it's a reflex. So just read me the first part. This portmanteau name. So we're looking for one word mm-hmm. that is a portmanteau of two words that are alliterative. It does accept or what two words make up its name. So there are you know three acceptable answers, basically. The two <sighs> words and then the, uh, the actual portmanteau itself. It's a peculiar reflex. And one, I mean, the involuntary bodily reaction, that's a reflex. Yeah. That's the reflex. And the other word is the occurrence. 
when one reaches fullness from eating. Why do I keep thinking that like one of these words they're using is wrong? Well, I don't know. Let's <laughs> let's try and suss though before we start dismantling the question. Well, this is probably wrong, but I'm just going to get it out of my head. Mm-hmm. The first thought I had was herky jerky. Mm. But that's not really a portmanteau. Yeah. Uh it is just two words that rhyme. The thing about a portmanteau that's alliterative is that portmanteaus generally use the beginning word of the beginning of one word and the ending of another word, don't they? Like right. Synergy is mm-hmm. like yeah, um, synchronized energy. Yeah, I don't know. I, maybe I don't know how that breaks down. What you the, know? What I bet yeah. you, if we were to Google it, we'd miscorrect or miscorrect me. And I think it's like so apparently another word altogether, even though it sounds like. It's pretty obviously a um, a portmanteau, um, but well, like brunch mm-hmm. is being a breakfast ending of lunch. Right. So if words were alliterative, then we'd have to literally find two words that start with the same letter, even though the first part of that word isn't used. That That's the key, I think, is that the letter, only the letter needs to be the same for it to be alliterative. The rest of the first part of the word might be different. Yeah. You know? Verp is kind of a good guess Mm -hmm. where vomit is one of them, but that would mean that a burp. Well, those aren't alliterative. Right. Right. So what if we worked backwards (sighs) here? What about if we found some words that described the occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating, it would be nice to know that the, the, the first word and second word were in the order of the definitions they gave. But I'm presuming so, that. and maybe that's something that. that we can, you know, look into during our rating, you yeah. know? Um, it feels like you're trying to pick apart this question before we come up with the answer. Well, I mean, I, you know me, I'm yeah. naturally trying to think of, like, is, mm-hmm. is someone being tricky? So, um, when you're full, you are describe yourself as... Uh, is this something you describe yourself as, or something that happens to you? It says it describes its occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating. So these are ways that people might describe themselves when they're when they've reached fullness from eating. What word might you use? I'm satisfied. I'm see the way I read this question is that they are two separate words, yeah, but they are related to the same thing. One it sounds to me like one is the body reaction. Uh-huh. That's one half of the portmanteau. Right. And the other is a word that describes the occurrence of becoming full from eating. So I was thinking if we do the full <sighs> one. Can you read the question again? <laughs> yes, I can. This peculiar reflex gets its portmanteau name by combining alliterative terms describing an involuntary body reaction and its occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating. What is the name? Or what two words make up its name? And its occurrence. Mm-hmm. Describes its occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating. See, when it says its occurrence, I think of like the body reaction's occurrence. Like it's referring to the first part of the question. Well, they've already established that the first part is the first part. And the second part, it might not be a reflex, but it would be a way that you just describe when you've become full. Like I'm topped out. I'm, uh, what are some other ways? Like, Ooh, I'm, I'm stuffed. I'm, I'm sated, satiated. Hmm. 
So what's the bodily reaction? I'm sleepy-ated. I'm sleepy. <laughs> I fell asleep because I'm so comfy because I ate so much. I'm sleepy-ated. <laughs> Sleepy and sleepy. See, we're getting somewhere now. Sleepy-ate. <laughs> I'm experiencing sleepy-ation. <laughs> uh, dude, I don't Somebody know. Somebody better drive me home. That breakfast bowl is too good. I'm frankly, I'm, I'm just, uh, I have a feeling I'm going to get this. I'm either going food to learn coma. something or I'm going to be very upset. You go into a food coma. I feel that. A cod coma? Like Can I just sleep cod? in the car in your driveway? <laughs> right now? No, 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 no. Well, we're done with this. Sure. You need to get somewhere. Are you sleeciated right now? I am. <laughs> off those cookies? Off these cookies and that breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. So we're tapping out here, huh? I think so. We're just going to log verp, even though it's not alliterative. Is that what we're going with? Read the question one more time. This peculiar reflex gets its portmanteau Hold name. On, stop right there. Yeah. So we're talking about it's a reflex, a peculiar reflex. Yeah. That has a portmanteau name. Yeah. So it's a reflex. Like, a tummy twitch. <laughs> yeah. See, like. like you're so um, full of your. What do they call it? Um, like when you're like when you feel like the ghost vibration of your phone, a phantom vibrate. Yeah, phantom ring. Um, it's a real one. Okay, so it's a it's a it's a strange reflex, a peculiar reflex. Yeah. What a we what peculiar. Mm-hmm. Just think of peculiar <laughs> reflexes. Um. I think verp is a good one. Um, t- turtle, turtle head. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, you're you're fully uh, you're definitely reaching fullness from eating at that point. Yeah, dangerous, <laughs> dangerous. Um, so it's a peculiar reflex, and then what? Gets its portmanteau name by combining alliterative terms. Describing an involuntary body reaction and its occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating. What is its name? I give up. I don't know. All right. We don't know. We're going with the verp. Verp. Which makes some logical sense. Yeah. But is, uh, we know it's not alliterative. Unless you have a funny accent. <laughs> See that face you're making? We were. Oh, my gosh. We were so close. Oh, were we? Yes. Snatiation, and it's somebody uh, wiping their nose. So I'm thinking sneezing and satiation. Like when you eat so much, you start sneezing. I've heard enough. I rate this a D. <laughs> I've heard enough. Let me hold on. I'm, I'm looking this up here. Yeah, please go ahead. Daisy, is it? The snatiation reflex. This is from Medical News. Uh, today.com. Oh, there's a Wikipedia page too. We'll go to Wikipedia. We trust them more. I'm just kidding. Anyways, <laughs> uh, snatiation is a term coined to refer to the medical condition originally termed stomach sneeze reflex, which is characterized by uncontrollable bursts of sneezing brought on by fullness of the stomach, typically immediately after a large meal. The term snatiation coined shortly thereafter 
in a humorous letter to the Journal of Medical Genetics by Judith G. Hall, is a portmanteau of the words sneeze and satiation. Similar in nature to this condition is gastrotory rhinitis, which involves rhinorrhea induced by certain foods such as spicy foods. That I have experienced before where you eat something spicy and your nose will start running. Oh, yeah. That's uh, gastro- but that's not sneezing. gustatory rhinitis. It says it's similar in nature to this. So, uh, yeah, sure, this man. is referenced by, first described in 1989 uh, by Some Ahmed TV and Qasem Al-Saleh. All right, never mind. Um, and there are a couple other links to medical journals here. This one, <laughs> oh my gosh. Not only is this a portmanteau term, but somebody has created a mnemonic device acronym for this sneezing non-controllably at a time of indulgence of the appetite, a trait inherited and ordained to be named. Some people have such a long satiation, so much time. (laughs) And yeah, I do remember that I did the same exact mnemonic thing for all of the uh, different uh, astrological signs. Yeah, I do remember that. Yes. A a tall giraffe can leap very long, so sadly can't acquire patience. Yeah. So maybe I did do that. No big whoop, but this is different some reason because it's not me it's pissing you off isn't it i can tell <laughs> yeah i don't You're, like this so how do you, you feel i can't wait to hear your score on this i think that it's fair you know it's a fair question yeah. this is an obscure thing am i, I mad that it's in a, in a fucking medical uh medical website yeah i am <laughs> have you ever met anybody that's had this no uh, involuntary reaction no and they you say are you okay and they say i'm just experiencing snatiation <laughs> i just ate so much right now that i, I can't stop sneezing Sneezing, non-controllable acts of, you know, whatever. I will, I mean, it is not wrong to call this peculiar. I think that is actually a good way to describe describe. There's no wrong information given. Mm -hmm. But the wording of it is clunky, I think. Um, Because I think, this is one of those things that I think I'd read and I'd almost just tell at my, say at my trivia, instead of making it a question. Because when you try, I mean... I think that um, I think that Daisy did as well as one can. Maybe it might be able to be cleaned up a little bit, but for you to be able to get the question out, you have to give all that information. I feel like, and it's too much information to give um, for the question to sound like you know it makes sense. <laughs> so, I mean, I gave it a D. It might be a little harsh. I mean, it is correct information. It does show up. And it might be something someone knows. And I mean, to be fair, we did almost fucking somehow um, almost did kind of come up with it, though we didn't. You know, I mean, we were still a little far off. I'll say a C minus. I think that's pretty fair. Um, Let's see here. My PIBS system, you know, popular, interesting, built in hint, short and sweet. Those are the uh, the metrics that we use to uh, in the PIB system to analyze a question. I would say that this is somewhat popular, um, even though it's a, a kind of an obscure thing. People do love asking for medical trivia and stuff like that. So I'm going to give this a lowercase p. It's very interesting, so I'm going to give it a capital I. Uh, built-in hint. I, there are hints in here. You know, there was enough for us to discount verp 
you know, and say it's probably something else. And we had a couple different clues on each half of the portmanteau to kind of build upon. So um, I'm going to give this a little B because if I was asking this question, I would make it a big B by just giving you sneezing. I would say, and I'm going to uh, not give an S here because I do think it needs to be rewritten to be a little bit more simply. This peculiar reflex gets its portmanteau name by combining uh, litter of terms including the involuntary body reaction of sneezing and the occurrence when one reaches fullness from eating. I would just make satiation maybe the answer here um, because that is a word that uh, it might come to mind for you and me, but um, I think that that might be a little bit outside of the field for the typical trivia player, and they should feel good about just getting that right. Um, as a topic, I think this is very, very interesting. Like I said, that's why I'm giving you a capital I. But I would give the player maybe a little bit more because this term is, uh, I think it's the first time I've heard of it. You know, I do see that it has a Wikipedia page. It has just three references on the Wikipedia page, which tells me that this is uh, a little obscure. But I will give this a capital X for its sus factor. I think that you can... Uh, you can sus for a little bit, especially in its current format, where you have to sus both sides out. Big X there. Um, mm -hmm. So I'll give this a Pib X on the way out. Mark, you gave it a C, you said? C minus. C minus. Okay. Very interesting stuff there, Daisy. Thank you for your listenership, and thank you for sending in a question. And uh, good luck on your exams, your upcoming university exams. If you'd like to write us with a rate my question or miscorrection, please do so at nononsensetrivia at gmail.com or give us a call at 1-929-356-6966. Okay, Mark, your first question of this last round of our 251st episode. You mean my only question? Mm-hmm. A Bible bump is an old colloquial term for what medical condition which most often occurs at the back of the wrist. Hmm. A Bible bump is an old colloquial term for what medical condition, which most often occurs at the back of the wrist. A Bible bump. Medical condition that most often occurs at the back of the wrist. The flick of the wrist. Look at the flick of the wrist. Look at the flick at the wrist. Will you look at this? The flick at the wrist? Um, this right here? That's not a medical condition. There is a little bump here, though. That's not it. Yeah. This is, a, this is a normal bump. Everybody's got this bump here on their wrist. Um, can I hear it one more time, please? Absolutely. Bible bump. A Bible bump is an old colloquial term for what medical condition, which most often occurs... At the back of the wrist. Back of the wrist. Well, I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to give an answer, even though I think that, uh, much like verp, it's probably not right, because I think this actually occurs more on the inside of the, the forearm, the inside of the wrist, <laughs> and that would be carpal tunnel syndrome. Is that right? Sorry, that's incorrect. Wrong. The correct answer is a ganglion cyst. A ganglion cyst. A ganglion cyst. Yes. Ganglion. Mm -hmm. Oh my You've gosh. It almost rather cyst. be called a Bible bump. <laughs> Probably why they made it up. A gargoylean cyst. <laughs> oh, ganglion. Gangly. Gangly. I mean, gangly is like a, 
that's a word for somebody like that. It's like they're lanky, right? Yeah. Or like the gangly. It means worse than lanky, though, doesn't it? But this is spelled differently. It's G A N G L I O N. Ganglion cyst. A fluid filled bump associated with a joint or tendon sheath. It often occurs at the back of the wrist, followed by the front of the wrist. Onset is often over several months, typically no further symptoms. Pain or numbness may occur. Complications may include carpal tunnel syndrome. Oh. Well, it's not the re- reference to the bump, though. That's uh, I'm trying to find out. Yeah, I had somebody come up to me this week and... Uh, they turned in their answer sheet. I asked, what, Lesotho is a country that's completely surrounded by which other country? Mark, you know this one? South Africa? That's right. That's right. I'll give you one of these for that. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that on the podcast before. And, uh, you know, starting off, new trivia at a new venue. I'm, I'm hitting up some of the classics, like I mentioned. And when a team came up, they turned in their answer sheets and they said, okay, we got it. Um, you know, it's Italy. You know, they just like told me what they thought the answer was. And I was like, okay, thank you. Took their answer sheet and scored it. And it was not Italy. They were thinking of Vatican city, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I was bringing around the next answer sheets, they, uh, they were like, we got it right though. Cause Vatican city is surrounded by Italy. And I said, no, but I was asking about the country of Lesotho, not Vatican city. And the lady went, Oh, and this guy goes, well, you need to enunciate better then. And it's like, brother, I read this question with perfect enunciation three times. Yeah. And I tried to explain it to you when you came up asking me about Italy. And so, Sotho and Vatican City, that's not an enunciation thing. Yes. Yeah. Period exactly. Uh, are you ready for this? Yeah. A historical method of treatment for a ganglion cyst was to strike the lump with a large and heavy book. Oh. Causing the cyst to rupture and drain into the surrounding tissues. I knew when you said Bible bump, there was something violent going on. I Historically, didn't know. <laughs> a Bible was the largest or only book in any given household, and it was employed for this treatment. This led to the nickname of Bible bumps or Gideon's disease wow. for these cysts. Gideon's this treatment disease. risks injuring the person, yeah. and this is not recommended. Not yeah, <laughs> don't do that. Don't hit your cysts so with books. there you books. go. That's how they got the name. Okay. Thank you for uh, for looking at that. Oh, up. hey, Lee, look at my eyes. <laughs> You're welcome. You meant that, folks. Look in me eyes. Yeah. Is that a tear I see? <laughs> One lone tear. <laughs> my last question for you, Mark, on this episode is about Supercross racing. Supercross being the dirt bike racing that occurs within... Uh, it's uh, as opposed to motocross, which is outdoors. Supercross is inside, inside usually okay. in an arena. Well, that's not the answer. In uh, supercross, and I think also in motocross racing, what is the term for a section of the track consisting of a long series of small bumps? Now, you might have played the game Excite Bike when you were a kid for the original Nintendo. Uh huh. You might remember this uh, the section of this the track. Is, so this, if this works, it'll be very very crazy. Because I just asked a question in skiing this week about a kind of skiing with these bumps that the bumps are often made when someone who is skiing turns around, it causes a little bump and those bumps are called moguls and mogul skiing is a bunch of not man-made, 
but a bunch of artificially made bumps. Gangly. Rough terrain. I do not know if this is the correct answer, but wow, what a fucking thing. If Mogul is correct, it's a bunch of small bumps in a row. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Mogul. Mark, you shot for the moon this time. Unfortunately, you did not get it. Well, sorry. It's okay. They're called the Whoops, which is short for the Whoop-de-doos, which was their original name. Okay. So, or the Whoops. No, no way in hell I would have ever gotten that. Mm-hmm. That is just one of those, you know it or you don't, and I don't. That is. I indeed. am proud that I went down the way I did. I That that feeling of excitement I had in my gut, I'll not soon forget. So I'm I'm glad I'm I can help with you with that. that. Yeah. 27% of my team's getting that right. A third in the, it was kind of a busy night that night too. So there's, at least here in Florida, there's some motocross and supercross people uh, yeah. in the room. It ain't me, babe. Well, Mark, thank you for another great quiz. Thank you for bringing such excellent questions and uh, testing my metal. And thank you for uh, bringing such phenomenal questions and uh, and bringing such an airy breeze to this podcast. I tried to hold those breezes in as much as possible, but <laughs> glad you enjoyed. Thanks for listening, everyone. Please join us every week for a new episode by subscribing to No Nonsense Trivia Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can support the No-No in several ways, the easiest by sharing this episode on your social media accounts with your friends. You could also leave us a written review on your favorite podcast platform, and you can support the podcast by buying some merch, a link in the show notes for that, or you can support us on Patreon by visiting our website, thenono.com, clicking the support link at the top, which will take you to our Patreon page, giving you access to bonus content, our full library of episodes, and more. Thank you to our Patreon supporters for helping us out with the show, um, including we have a new team captain, Ed, with two Ds. So congratulations and thank you, Edita. Uh, we also have a new proverbial uh, light keeper, Michael Swan. So thank you very much, Michael. Thank uh, you. Welcome aboard. Also, uh, Kinkalot and Tim McBeardington Black have upgraded to the proverbial light keeper uh, uh, group, and so we appreciate that as well. A big thanks to our quiz daddies. Hold Kaz. up, hold up, hold up. Okay. Because we got Kaz now, and we were trying to think about, like, is Kaz a quiz mommy? We've already got a bunch of dudes as quiz daddies. Razzmacaz. We need a uh, gender neutral name, I think, for this tier. So I'm suggesting that we change this to Pibs Masters. Pibs Masters? Okay. Pibs Masters. Right. What do you think about that? I think that it is serving your own brand and that's okay. Of course it is. <laughs> People love Pibs. Especially our Pibs Masters. Uh, I think just reset it to piss masters don't call them that <laughs> our piss we can't call them the c minusers mark uh so a big thanks to our pibs masters then kaz rick g adam aka dr age sam spencer blake aka motor liquor brandon long adam volk at Esma and red crest kitchen tim with pat's garden service tommy and gill it's Gil. Also, a huge thanks to our team captains, Aiden, Matt, Skyler, Kristen, Fletcher, Lydia, OG, Aaron, DHX3, and of course, our new team captain, Ed. Yes, thanks. Thanks, everybody. If you'd like to write us with a rate my question or a missed correction, you can do so at nononsensetrivia at gmail.com or call us at 1-929-356-6966. And please follow us on Facebook, 
Instagram and YouTube at No Nonsense Trivia and on Twitter at No Non Trivia. Uh, do you want to hang out with us throughout the week? Oh, yeah. We have a Discord channel you can join. Just check the show notes for that. We also have a Facebook group. The link for that is also in the show notes, or you can just go on Facebook and search for the new, 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 no nonsense trivia podcast to join us there again. That's K-N-O-W, not N-O. We talk shit tons of nonsense. Get used to it. And finally, don't forget to leave us a rating on your favorite podcast service. Five stars only, please. Until next time, no nonsense listeners. Have a great week.